Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church of Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any other popular podcast platforms. This graduation Sunday, Pastor Jordan talked about how Peter compared himself to John and how we compare ourselves to others. It's titled, What's It to You? And it comes from John chapter 21, verses 20 through 25. But we've been going through the book of John with a series of the life that flourishes. And uh, today we're going to talk about the passage that was read earlier. And what's happening here is Jesus has appeared to the disciples yet again. This is kind of the last time he's just appearing to them. And the disciples were on a boat. They're fishing. They're not catching any fish. He's on the shoreline. He says, try it again. They catch a whole bunch of fish almost for the net to break under the weight of it. And then the conversation between Jesus and Peter happens, which is the scripture that was read. And in that, there's this sense of comparison. So have you ever had that feeling where you see a neighbor or maybe a friend, maybe they got a new house or a car or something, you have that like feeling of like, man, I wish I had that. Why don't I have that? We've all had that feeling, right? Like you haven't done enough or, or be enough to measure up to them. Has, is there somebody in your life that you always compare yourself to? Have you thought maybe that God blessed them more? That's comparison. And that's kind of the comparison that Peter is having in the scripture today. Comparing means that you're comparing your life to an image of someone else's. And our culture is obsessed with this. Our culture is obsessed with comparing because we're obsessed with competition, right? Almost everything has become a competition. We're caught up in this never-ending cycle uh, of competing and comparing to one another. If you think about even, even things, for me, I love movies, and let's see, I'm causing some problems here. Let's get that, all right? I love movies, but have you heard of Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten tomato score. All of a sudden, that becomes this competition. This movie has a higher score than the other one. And of course, the Oscars and all the award shows and things like that. We had our graduates up here today, and sometimes a lot of the things in high school, whether it's, it's sports or trying to get into the, the, the theater, the play, there's always competition, grades, competition, getting into what school you want, competition. I think that drives comparison too. Do you ever have, do you have somebody in your life who always has to seem like they have to one-up you on everything? You know, maybe you're telling somebody about the vacation you took up in the mountains and how relaxing it was and how great, and they're like, well, you wanna know a real vacation, go to Bermuda, that's a real vacation. I just came back from there. Or maybe it's something like uh, you're talking about your kids' accomplishments at school and somebody's like, that is great, but guess what, Susie? She got this scholarship, she's valedictorian, and uh, now she's gonna intern for the President of the United States. (laughs) 
And sometimes you wonder if they're really telling the truth or if they're just exaggerating, right? There's some people that will like to tell tall tales. And sometimes it plays itself out, not so much in comparison, but in shame. Let's say you're showing a friend a new car that you bought, and they ask you, well, did you get the extended warranty? You're like, well, no. And they're like, well, you got to get the extended warranty. So instead of sharing in your joy now, all of a sudden now you have shame. You're like, oh, man, maybe I should have gotten the extended warranty. He must have gotten that. So it works out in shame also. It keeps us trapped in a state that's never being able to be enough or do enough. It works on your insecurities and it feeds them, feeds on them. Comparison leads us to a never-ending fight, which I'm going to show a video of a commercial from several years ago, but it kind of gives that idea of comparing and fighting over the comparisons. I am delighted we could share in the serenity and joy of this beautiful day as we come together to celebrate the commitment of these Would you mind moving your enormous phone? You mean the enormously awesome galaxy? Search one trick pony. Aren't you a little young to have an iPhone? You want to go? I see copy bots. Auto correct this. (laughs) (laughs) Is there an app for that? Search karate. Think if they knew about the Nokia Lumia, they'd stop fighting all the time? I don't know. I think they kind of like fighting. (laughs) So, uh, at the end there, they say, no, I think they love fighting. I think sometimes we do. We love to compare so we can fight, so we can argue, we can debate each other, so that we can feel like maybe we're right and we're superior. That's kind of what's behind this. Now, That commercial is kind of ironic in a way because it's for Nokia, and how many Nokia phones do you see now, right? But what are the other ways in which we compare? We compare our families, our kids, our accomplishments, our marriages we compare. Well, they look so happy. What are we doing if we're not feeling as happy as they look? Our jobs, we compare our jobs and and where we are on the hierarchy there our materials, our clothes, our homes, cars, TVs, finances, physical looks, spirituality, churches compare. Sometimes we compare. Uh, As a pastor, the thing that you always hear about, and this isn't just here, but it's every church, there's always going to be somebody that compares us to somebody else, right? It's like, well, did you see that church over there? Their parking lot is packed. What are we doing that our parking lot's not packed? We'll compare because of numbers and that competition piece. And Brene Brown says that our, we are often comparing our lives, our marriages, our families, and our communities to the unattainable, media-driven visions of perfection, or holding up our reality against our own fictional account of how great someone else has it. So a lot of this is fiction, right? We're building a narrative in our heads of what other people have and why they have it and why we don't have it. Nostalgia is also a very 
powerful and dangerous version of comparison where we think about the good old days. It was better back then. It's always better back then, right? We can always look back and say it was better because in the present it always seems like there's a lot of things going on, but you can look back and there's a lot of things wrong in the past too. But this image probably doesn't, it doesn't work for me real much. So now this one. This works for me. Now, for some of you, you're like, well, he's making a young joke. He's young. He's funny. But guess what? For the graduates that were up here, this is old, right? So I'm already old to them. We think nostalgia is a way of comparing. Back then, it was great because we had these things, or the world was like this, and it's different now. Those were the days thing is, we're not the first in human history to think this way because the scripture shows us that the disciples were thinking this way, that Peter was thinking this way. He's comparing himself to the beloved disciple. So in our scripture, Jesus, before what was read, Jesus is asking Peter, he addresses him, he says, do you love me? Peter says, yes. He says, then feed my lambs. He asks again, do you love me? He says, yes then take care of my sheep, Jesus says. Then he asks a third time, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. And then Jesus foretells foretells Peter's death and that this is a path that he's gonna go on that Jesus has called him to that he may not like where it's going. Peter is the guy that Jesus is gonna build the whole church on. He's the point man. He's the guy that he, this is a job you only get to somebody that you really trust, right? That you know they can do the job. Jesus has been calling Peter to be the caretaker of the church. But Jesus also tells him it's going to take you where you don't want to go, possibly death. On the other hand, there's this beloved disciple in John that's always referred to as the beloved disciple. And guess who that is? John. And John wrote the book. It's kind of like that older sibling energy that... Jesus loves me the most. You know, the older siblings are like, mom and dad love me the most because I was first. It's that same energy that John gives throughout the, the scripture. If you remember back to Easter, the story in John of, of when Mary comes and tells the disciples that Jesus is resurrected and they run to the tomb, John has to point out that he beat Peter to the tomb, Right? just kind of funny dynamics going on there that we don't always pick up on, but it's, it's this competition between the two that goes on. So when Jesus is telling him all this, Peter turns around and, asks, and sees John and says, what about him? So he, he's just been given this great responsibility. He's been given this path. He's been given this, this role that no one else has, but then he just turns around and says, what about him? What does he get? And we often ask the same thing, that what about them? Yeah, I have this, but what about them? They have that. Why, why don't I have that? Jesus, I often think, I often wonder what his reaction would be to uh, Peter saying this, and sometimes I think it's kind of like this. You know, it's <laughs> rolling of the eyes. Like, do you realize what I just said to you? 
And so Peter asks this for a couple of reasons. John has been working, they've been working side by side for a long time, but because of a rumor, because John is the most beloved disciple, and the scripture talks about that Jesus says, you know, if he, the rumor was that he would never die because he's the beloved disciple, that he needs to stick around until Jesus comes back. That was the rumor that Peter's talking about. And so, because Peter felt like he was going to do the grunt work, that he had to start this whole church thing, but John gets to be this, this shiny one that walks around and tells people about Jesus, and, and people listen to him, but he doesn't have to do all that grunt work, the work behind the scenes. John would grow old in age in order to do this, to reach as many as possible, but Peter was going to be a martyr. These are two different paths set up for them. So it seems easy for Peter to compare, right? That he's like, death or a long life. That's a comparison. I think we would react the same way as Peter does. So what is the thing that, for us, drives us to compare a lot? I think it can really be zoned in on one thing. And ultimately, it's fear. It's the fear of missing out it's the fear of not being enough, not smart enough, talented enough, disciplined enough, powerful enough, beautiful enough. Social media enhances this. You see the highlights of people's lives. You don't see everything going on, but you see the highlights, so you think, man, they're, they're living a good life. Why am I not doing the same thing? There is a study done, uh, maybe you've heard of this. It, I don't know exactly what it's called. I'll call it the line study. So they, on a marker board, drew two lines, and one was slightly shorter than the other. Now, they had a, a group of people come in, and they told everyone except one person, we're going to ask you if both the lines are the same length. Now, your job is to be convinced and try to convince everybody else that they are the same, even though they obviously are not, right? So everybody had that except one person. So the one person uh, obviously knows everybody else is wrong, but they're the only one thinking everybody else is wrong. So eventually they cave and they're like, yeah, they're the same, right? It's that peer pressure thing. So they're comparing the fear of being the only one is what keeps people from speaking truth sometimes. And that's what happened in that experiment. They just went along with what everybody else was going with. We even wake up every morning wondering if we got enough sleep, right? How is that sleep compared to the night before? Throughout our day, we think that there's never enough time, that there's always more things to do, that we can't catch our breath. But not enough's are endless in our lives. Fear can do damage. It can do damage into our inner life, our heart, our soul. It can also do real damage. When fear becomes the thing that drives everything in your life, fear can also then lead to violence. If we think about this weekend where there was a shooting in Buffalo that was racially motivated, that comes out of fear. Fear drives all of that. At its worst, fear will drive us to violence. Fear will blind us, it will devour us, it will paralyze us. 
fear is at the core of all this. But then Jesus says, what is it to you? What's it to you? Sometimes this feels flippant, right? We often use it as a flippant comment of like, what's it to you? Get out of my business. But then Jesus tells us not to be afraid dozens of times in the Bible. Do not be afraid is one of the most quoted phrases in the Bible, throughout the Bible, all of it. Do not be afraid. And in this moment, Jesus, in this moment with Peter, he's saying, do not worry. John's story is not your story. Don't be bothered with what he's going to do. I'm concerned about what you're going to do. So what's it to you what John is going to be up to? I've called you to this. Jesus gives each of us a unique story. Each of us have different gifts in our lives that are used for different things. We, you know, I'm, I've said this many times, I'm terrible at math, right? I'm just, I have to stop and count it up in my head, maybe use my fingers once in a while, pull out my phone, use the calculator. But there are people that just know it right away, right? You give a, a math problem to them, they know it. Not me. Takes a long time. I could come up here and speak in front of all of you and not feel nervous, not have any jitters, feel perfectly comfortable, but there are people that will come up here and just, you'll see the sweat in their armpits, right? It's, 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 we all have different gifts that God has given us, but we seem to think that we all have to be the same in some way, that, that if somebody has something else that we don't or is praised for a gift that they have that we don't, we think somehow, well, we need that. We need to be that. But when we compare also, we don't get the whole picture, right? We just see the snapshot. We, we talked about that with social media. It's just the snapshot of somebody's life. So we don't get the whole picture, just like this commercial, it popped into my head when I was preparing the sermon, it's from years ago, I don't, I think maybe, um, probably 20 years ago, but it's going to show you what the whole picture is for someone who you may be jealous of. I'm sorry. We have to go back now. I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. <laughs> Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LennyTree.com, banks compete, and you choose the loan that's right for you. All right. <laughs> and not to shame anyone with debt. Everybody has some kind of debt, and, and we've experienced debt in our lives. But it's that, that idea of like, man, he must have it real good. And then he's just saying the truth of like, no, I'm, yeah, I'm living a good life, but guess what? I can't pay the bills. It's the snapshot. It's looking at somebody, but you're not seeing everything going on in their lives. So God made no one exactly like you. No one exactly, he hasn't given your story, your exact story to anybody else, but you are living that unique story that God has given you. With this diversity of all the different gifts of the people of God, it adds so much more depth to the message and good news of the gospel, that we are people on a mission. We are on a people on a mission to bring the heaven to earth now, to bring the kingdom of God to unveil it to the world. 
that things work differently in the kingdom of God, that it's all upside down. Instead of competing and comparing to one another, we're all invited that all the gifts, everything is welcomed to the table. No matter where you are in life, no matter where you are going, Christ uses your unique story in life to give hope and love to others. N.T. Wright says that we are called to follow Jesus wherever he leads, not wherever he leads the person next to us. Maybe your service to Christ, your path that Christ has given you is your teacher, maybe your accountant, maybe, maybe you, you're, you're doing the grunt work for other people, you're doing behind the scenes work. The good news that I find with Jesus and all the things that he does with the disciples, especially in this story, is that Jesus is telling us, you do not have to compare. That's the good news. You don't have to do it. You're all being called to something that God has in mind for you, something to give hope and love to others. And there's going to be days where you feel like, I'm not even making a difference. Um, I had a moment the other week where I was thinking about the last couple of years and how they've been tough in ministry. They've been tough for everybody. But oftentimes I've caught myself in, in the place of like, is what I'm doing or what we're doing as a church making a difference at all? And then it's weird where these enlightenments come from. Maybe you experience that too where it just comes out of the blue in weird places. And like I said earlier, I like movies. And... I was watching one movie, and it's a recent movie, The Northmen, which it's not a recommendation. Don't go see it. Um, not because it's bad, but it's a very bleak movie. And watching that, it suddenly dawned on me of like, you know, humanity has a huge history of violence. We've been awful to each other. We've killed each other over simple things. We've killed each other just to have more, that comparison. And so thinking about that, it's like, no, actually what we do here is making a difference. It is important. It's reminding people that there's more to life than just getting ahead, that it's, it's about the kingdom of God coming together, caring for each other, caring for those who are on the fringes. And it's spreading love and light in a world that often defaults to darkness and violence. So for you, there's going to be days where you feel like what I'm doing isn't enough. But there's going to be those little breadcrumbs, I like to call, that God will give you. Those little breadcrumbs that you're like, huh, gives you new energy for what you're doing. That does make a difference in somebody's life. Because you are enough. Because you are not missing out. Because you do have a unique story. Because who they are shouldn't be as interesting as who you are. Instead of asking, what about them, maybe we should ask the question of, what is it about me? What is it about me that God sees in me? What is it about me that God has given me? What is the path that God has given me, the ways in which I can bring the love of God to others now? What has God equipped me to do? Decide now that you're going to use your energy and time for this rather than what about them. And I'll say that to the graduates, too. As you go off in the fall, whether you're working, whether you're going to college, there's going to be ample opportunities to just feel like you're not enough, not doing enough, that somebody else is always going to be better. 
But ask yourself, what is it about me that's unique, that I can give to the world, I can give to the kingdom of God? Because you don't know everybody's whole story. You don't know how they got to where they are. Only you know where you got to where you are. So maybe, may you know that every step of the way, your story is unique. That every step of the way, knowing that your story can give hope to others. Jesus will say, if you compare, Jesus will say, what's it to you? Because he has given you your story and not theirs. So then at the end, Jesus says to Peter, follow me. So follow Jesus. Don't worry about what others are doing. Follow the path that he has set for you. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace and have a wonderful week.